Good Company. Honest and transparent conversations between two good mates on an entrepreneurial journey together. Join Lisa Cordoff and myself, Carly Nimmo, while we explore what it means to create, grow and keep good company. Life and business is better when you're keeping good company. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, so we're starting off laughing because today's today's topic is the best and worst investments, and I actually just said to Lisa, "Worst investments? I don't, I can't even think of any worst investments." Which, if you know me, is fucking hilarious. Um, but we'll get to mine. <laughs> or should we should we start with it? Start with yours. Like everyone's like, what the hell? Are they I know. What, what is about? she? Are they on drugs? Did they smoke weed before they jumped on this call? Um, no. So, worst investment. But you see, the thing is, I think sometimes we think that they're worst investments, but they end up being not worst investments long term, right? So, my yeah. worst investment <laughs> would have to be the hundred thousand dollars <laughs> that I I put into my co-working space, the Office Collective, which uh, lasted almost a year and nearly, well, did take it took me to the edge of or the brink of my own humanity. I cried every day for. <laughs> Six months. You know, the weird thing is, right? Like I have, I have spent the last five plus years speaking about failure or maybe the last, you know, before kind of the last six months, I spent all of my time mm. talking about this failure. And it just says so much as to what's happened over the last year that I've now finally moved on from this huge, big worst investment that I, it didn't even pop into my head. And that's what I found so funny. Yeah. I'm like, she has come so far that she's like, wow, investments that I've made that haven't worked out. What would and that be? And there's a string. But also, <laughs> but the thing is that you also, you also, I mean, basically built, have built a business, um, on yeah. the back of it. Yeah, totally, totally. And, and yeah, I mean, I would do it again. I probably wouldn't actually, to be truthful, but for the lessons that I learned, mm. I, there was no, there was no avoiding those lessons. They were coming for me. And the last five years or the last, well, since 2012, so six years have been an absolute fucking roller coaster and worth every second of it due to one mm. bad investment. So I guess mm. the key is, right, like we can make, we can, sometimes we stress so hardcore on making these kind of what in the bigger picture are seemingly very small investments. Like, oh, I really want to do this thing, but it's $500. Can I afford it? And, and then, you know, you do it and it's absolutely life-changing and incredible, right? And you don't do it thinking that you can't afford it. But let me tell you something, right? When I had the office collective and I was totally in doubt, in in debt, like up to my eyeballs, not able to sleep at night, I still managed to scrounge up two thousand US dollars to do Marie Folio's B school. Mm-hmm. You know? And yep. I don't recommend anyone buys invests in anything from that place of needing a savior, someone to like solve all your problems, like I thought Marie Folio would do for me. Um 
but but I do recommend stretching yourself into an investment that might, you know, that that you know is going to serve you, comes from a really positive place in you, not from a place of neediness, because I've lost a hundred thousand mm. dollars. And mm. that was six years ago, and I'm totally past it. I've paid back all the yep. debt. I'm free of that. So I think sometimes we stretch about, we really stress about these, what, what in the scheme of things are rather small investments, but can have huge, huge impact. That hundred thousand dollars I spent has set up me for the rest of my life in terms yeah. of the resilience that I've built, mm-hmm. the lessons that I've learned. So it was, it was the worst investment I could make, but also the best. You wouldn't be the Carly now who helps people in the way that you help people without having gone through that experience. No way. Without having to. And don't you think that this is true of any kind of trauma or hard time? If we're prepared to kind of do the work, such a dodgy phrase, but if we are able to sit in that uncomfortableness, see what lessons there are for us in it, um, move through it, then like it's never a waste. Mm, never. It's just the, those hard times are where a lot of the gold is and life isn't much to my dismay because, you know, I had, <laughs> I can remember saying to myself when I was a bit younger, I was like, I wonder if I'll just be someone who nothing bad ever happens to <laughs> because I just had this lovely kind of Pollyanna life. vibe. <laughs> right. And um and thank you, Lisa, for thinking that thought. And uh <laughs> you know, you know, obviously life is not that. Um, but how beautifully innocent I was back then. But now I kind of welcome in those uncomfortable things, or even just sitting there and thinking about whether to invest in something or not, and what that brings up mm. and being conscious of what that's bringing up. Okay, I think that you know, this is happening because I think that like money is finite and if I spend it on this, then it's gone forever. But the way that I think about a lot of investments is that, you know, well, this is just going to all come back to me. You know, there's there's certain instances in which it doesn't come back in the form that you think it's going to come back, like the Office Collective. Mm. Uh, it didn't come back to you in the way that you thought it was going to, but it did in yeah. so many yeah. different ways. And uh, I think we need to be be open to that, and then it kind of makes it feel like there is no bad investments. Yeah. Um, there's just ones that bite and hurt yeah. a bit, or you don't quite get what you're intended, and it puts you in a situation where you're really fucking uncomfortable. Um, you know, I remember, and you know, I think it's also what we like our our beliefs, like. Uh, are also coming into play here because I can remember feeling very, very confronted and anti the idea of copywriters. And I don't know if you remember, Carly, Mm. um, but, you know, I went with someone who was recommended to me. They were American and it was for my Easy Kitchen Reset program. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm just going to see because everyone sort of talks about, like, I do all the writing in my business, but I know that there's people who – their job is to create the beautiful words and to, you know, see, help my audience see what I'm trying to provide them here. Okay. I invested in this like 
highly recommended um, copywriter in the US and it came back to me and I was like, what the hell is this? Like unusable, just so bad. But I had gone into that investment expecting Mm. it to be bad. Like I, I didn't trust myself at that point with um with handing it over I didn't want to there was a lot of resistance about handing over the writing of the words because my belief was they have to be my words in order to be authentic in order for this to sell it needs to be from me and so I'm going to hand it over to you but I know it's not going to be fucking good and so it wasn't like I I, you know I think in some ways we attract it back Mm. um and you know I think also recently uh you know Everyone who knows my business would know about Mel, who is basically my project or or business manager. And she's worked, she has created that role for herself, starting off as a, as my VA, a kind of jack of all trades. And now we've crafted something that really, um, is awesome. You know, she has a baby and she does the type of work that she really wants. She also has space to do lots of other things in her life now, which certainly wasn't the case in the beginning. But, you know, my belief was, like, this business doesn't work without Mel. And I, I don't know, like, I would be lost without Mel. These are things that I'm saying to myself all the time over the last year or so. Um, you know, she's a godsend. She's changed my business. Like, she, you know, and so when it came time to find a replacement for Mel that we knew she was having the baby and we thought, okay, the business is complicated. There's a lot of moving parts. Let's bring someone in early on, train them up. And, you know, it was a big investment. I was still paying Mel at the same time. Um, but I was happy to make this investment because I wanted that transition to be as smooth as possible. I knew that there were big shoes to fill. I knew that there was a lot to get heads around. So we really thought very carefully and strategically about how to bring someone in, how they could shadow, how they could then start taking stuff on, and then how Mel would kind of hand the reins over. And there were a few sort of warning signs that maybe this wasn't happening the way we thought it was going to be, but certainly nothing prepared me for that person to pull the pin literally the week Mel had her baby. And I was like, what? (laughs) I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars so that that exact situation didn't happen. And what I have ended up having to do through that um, that person had had their own sort of reasons of not wanting to be a part of the business. It was very stressful and you know, the way that she was trying to work, it just it wasn't the style of work. You know, you have to kind of be in and out throughout the day and she was trying to chunk off and block off time, which we kept on sort of saying might not work, like things will pile up and they were. But what it's actually given me that like – what do you mean? Like, how is this happening? I felt so burned and I felt so just like, oh my God, what the hell happened here is a really, you know, but did I create that because of my beliefs that I brought into it in the first place? This is what I've had to kind of sit with. And it's also made me really think about who I want to hire to work in my business going forward. And that um, the process for that needs to be really tightened up. I I definitely don't want to hire um, entrepreneurs or like people who are building their own businesses to do, you know, more of the technical work in the business because 
I know what it's like to be an entrepreneur. Like I'm all the ideas, you know, I can see things happening and I'm like, oh my God, I could do this, I could do that. And um, so doing more personality testing for those bigger hires, like who who are these people? Like the DISC profile is awesome. Um, Roger Hamilton's uh, wealth. Um, yeah, Hamilton's dynamic, talent, strength, yeah, talent, talent dynamics. dynamics. Yeah, all of that stuff. It's like, okay, this is really good. And for the business as it grows, this has been a really important lesson for me to learn. It's also been an important lesson to when you feel those red flags, just go, hang on a minute, we've got to address this right here and now. Don't sweep shit under the carpet, especially when mm. it comes to the people in your business. You know, I have done this before and I needed, I obviously didn't get the lesson the first time. And it needed to be big enough for me to go, whoa, okay, let, let's think about this differently. It's also made me see myself as more um, taking a little bit more responsibility for the people who are in my business instead of leaving that to Mel. I think, you know, I need to set that. She's so good at training and doing all those sorts of things, but people need buy-in. They need to feel connected to the bigger vision of the business and where we're going. And so it's helping me, you know, create those strategic values documents and all that sort of stuff. So everyone is really clear about the actual business. So while it, that investment was the, was you know, like an investment that really hurt um, <laughs> at the end of it, there's a lot of good that's also come out of it. And like with a copywriter, it made me really see what I, what, you know, where what I'm prepared to, to go in terms of the state. Yeah. Like, when you hand things over, um, there's also a point at which things don't feel comfortable and you don't have to accept that just because someone's an expert at what they do, that it's the right thing for your business. And so I ended up, you know, I think I trialed someone else, wasn't great. And then I just knew I wanted to work with Jess. And so I just waited until she was ready. Um, I had um, Joe on board, who was, who's a brilliant writer. She did some really great stuff for me when we were working together, um, that just spoke to my audience. You know, she was, that was, that was amazing work that she did. And I, you know, I don't know if she listens to the podcast, but I know that that's potentially on her, um, ideas list of things. And I think she's, that's actually a real skill of yeah, Joe's. Yeah, she's a great, great writer. She's a really great writer. Um, and you know, but yeah, but then I knew that, I needed someone else and ended up finding someone and and then I and and then you have to kind of release control mm. a little bit and that's been a big that's um, the hard I think that's the hard thing right because you need to release control but you also need to maintain a little control too right it's like a business is not a set and forget thing it's no. not like it's not like you bring on the team and then you're like hands off okay I'm going to go sip right. pina coladas in Phuket like you, you, you see you there. Yeah, see you there. Um, you, you, you need to have systems in place and enough. So, for example, right, like you know, Neil has probably been one of my best investments, and he's been with me for nearly ten years. Amazing, and so that's amazing. a credit to you. Like, and we have such you know, a, we have such a great relationship, you know. And yeah, it has it's not so like lovely. there was teething issues, and I was a control freak in the start. And he would send his the work to me, and I would check it. And then we built the trust, and now you know now we're we're in a really great place. But I also don't take for that for granted. Like I I I I love Neil, and I hope that he sticks around forever. Uh, hi Neil. Hi Neil. <laughs> <laughs> and. And, but if there's, if, if it does, if he doesn't, then I would be totally heartbroken because he's like a brother to me, but I would be able to find somebody else 
you know, and it, yeah. So have like have being able to spread the load. Yes, I think is really important. And but then and then looking, yeah, looking after your team, obviously. But you can't like the me getting to this point with Killer Copy, where it's like it it runs. I do a little bit of work. It's not a lot of work uh, for me personally, hands on. But it is a big chunk of my income. Mm. That has been years in the making. Letting go of the reins, pulling the reins in, loosening them, pulling them in. Like you can never drop the reins. You can never drop the reins. No. And I think that's what I learned also with this experience with Mel and her uh, maternity leave was, uh, you know, I did not have the reins. Uh, but because of the way in which I've built my business, that wasn't a problem until it was a problem. Mm. And so, you know, a lot of lessons learned through that, you know, understanding the workflow of through my business and who does what and all that kind of thing. I love that that is Mel's domain and her particular zone of genius in being able to manage all of that stuff. But I, I need to understand it and yeah. I need I need to um, step in. So I think there were definite places in which I was not holding the reins and uh, it was brilliant for me to be really in my business. It was intense because it was also in the middle of a launch um, but, you know, it gave me a really big insight also into how she manages things and that's only valuable. And I more of an appreciation that- for what she does too, right? Like because sometimes we don't we don't even know the – um, you know, the amount of work someone's doing for us until they go. I know when Neil goes on holidays, I have a backup editor and yeah. I use him, but, you know, I really appreciate the work that Neil, the extra work that Neil does, you know, and yes. some, sometimes we forget that when it's all off our plates and it's, it's, it's stressful to be reminded of it, but sometimes yeah. a worthwhile experience. Not that I'm inviting yeah. that in, dear universe. I am not inviting no. that in. <laughs> But would you say that your people are your biggest investment that you make in your business? Is it your biggest kind of expense? At the moment, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. I, but it's really me, just it's Neil like, and then, um, yeah. you know, and then someone who manages the podcasts, which we're yeah. in transition at the moment again. Um, but, <laughs> but. Yeah, so uh, maybe, yeah, it probably is Neil or, yeah, all my people, yeah. Yeah, I, my my people are my biggest expense and it's um, the it's the investment that gives me the most return mm. for sure. When they're doing their jobs well, when they're feeling good um, and their part of things is operating well, the business operates well. So I, um, I, it's just been something where I've like, wow, okay, that the, the business has tripped into a new stage in which my role as manager or um, CEO or whatever it is is changing. Um, and yeah, like Facebook ads would be my other yeah. biggest investment for sure. Um, Facebook ads will is probably the biggest investment. So making sure that that's working right is also hugely important. 
um, to me. A lot of money gets paid to Facebook, <laughs> much yeah. to Nick's dismay. I would say, I would say my biggest investments are first would be my team. And I realized after I'd said that, like, yes, because I also pay all the talent that work for Killer Copy. So people mm, yeah, is exactly. definitely by far my biggest investment. And my second mm. investment would probably be personal development. Well, I was just thinking the exact same thing. I, I was like, Lisa, you've sort of forgotten all the trips to America, <laughs> all of the the mastermind, um, all the courses you do for personal development stuff, you know. And I would say that that is the thing that gives me my biggest return. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because... Like it's changing me from the inside, which changes my business and everything in my life. Like it is the thing that I would never want to scrimp on or be without because that personal exploration, I call it, is um, is just like the gift of this lifetime. So to wrap up, I have a question, right? How do you decide what you're going to invest in? So I am, I am not a person who buys all the courses, never have been. No, I'm not either. Uh, but when I feel a gap in my knowledge or sometimes it's actually more about the teacher, when I want exposure to that person and I know that what they're teaching I actually need straight up, uh, then I'll invest. There's only really a few courses um, that, well, there's only, I think, three courses that I'll ever affiliate for, and that's um, James's Business by Design Tribe, the membership course, because it's just such an amazing course. And then, and I, I think, you know, Jim Fortin's program, the transformational group coaching, that's really changed my life. And so I would only kind of recommend those things. They're really the big courses that I've done as well as B-School. Um, but uh, well, I've forgotten the question. Oh, like how do you make the decision? How do you make the decision oh, as like to what, what you invest is going in? To, like what drives what is going it? To grow me, yeah. What is going to grow me is probably the decision. Like what is going to grow me or what plugs a hole of knowledge that I don't have in my business right now. And, uh, and, and with those holes, you know, for people who are listening and are, and are still sort of buying all the courses or, or whatever, you really need to be clear about what yeah. those are. Have a crack yourself first so you know what is missing for you because um, we can buy all the courses and not do anything with them. So what grows me also grows the business um, and then plug holes. That would be how I kind of make decisions what makes me happy as well mm. is another one um you know like you doing your uh, guitar lessons I've just started a Pilates membership which I always thought was way too expensive yeah like, so have I. Doing? Like, I was just like I'm just fuck getting- it I've wanted to do it forever and I've told myself right. it's too expensive this body is actually really important and I oh. you know I used to really heavily invest in that and I've let it go because I've been heavily investing in my mind but these things work together so it's like now I'm starting to come back to the to you know investing back into my body, and you know I remember when Nick and I when we first sort of moved to Brisbane and I wasn't working and we had the kids and oh well, I was selling a few thermomixes but there wasn't really that much money. I always invested in good food, so I always invested in good food. That was like 
I didn't care if I didn't buy any new clothes for a year as long as I was feeding my family well. And I'd go to the farmer's markets. It didn't mean I was spending necessarily a fortune, but it was an investment of my time to make the staff an investment of, um, you know, just our money towards that. It never felt wasted to invest in good food. (laughs) It never is. And so, yeah, sometimes it's those little things that can make a really big, big difference. Um, if you're taking care of yourself, a lot is going to take care of itself in your life and in your business. Yeah. I think, um, for, for me with the investing thing, how I choose what I invest in and what I don't really comes down to intuition these days. Actually, if I feel really called Mm. to do something, I'll do it, but I don't do it based in scarcity. So, mm. you know, like I, I'll often sit and I, I usually get like an, an initial reaction, which is like, yeah, this could be really cool. And then I sit with the vibe of it for a while. It sounds like a really um, woo way to do things. And then I decide whether or not like so. So taking away the scarcity or the, um, you know, the the really amazing um tips and tricks to get me to feel like I need this thing. I actually come back and ask myself if I do actually need this thing. Um, And mostly, like you said, I try things myself first and then I plug holes. And the way I plug holes is by getting someone in to help me with that. Yes. So I never- fast track. Yeah, I never invested in- Because sometimes we can spend- thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on courses on how to do this and how to do that and how to do this. And and we still don't technically know how to build a membership site, but we've bought all of the courses and all of the training around building a membership site. So why wouldn't Mm. you just get someone in to help you with that and save yourself the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on courses that actually aren't helping you build the membership site? You know what I mean? Like there are some mm. courses that will teach you what to put in there, but what what is it that you actually need? What is, yeah, what is that hole that you need plugged? Because it might not be that you don't know what to put in the membership course. It might be that you don't know how to build the membership site. So then you invest in someone who knows how to do that unless you want to learn it, unless you're really keen to learn shit like that. Mm. Not mm. my shtick. Yeah. But, you know, some people do love to DIY oh gosh, all the way. Yeah. So I think that the key is like, for, for me, it's about the scarcity thing, not coming from a place of fear that I don't know enough, but from the actual knowledge that I don't know enough about this. You know, there's a difference. I did just want to say also that when it comes to investments, the thing that I have learned the most is that you know, sometimes we don't make investments because we don't trust ourselves mm. that there will be a return. We we question ourselves because we think that there is this like money is like that's it, that money is gone. Whereas I do just really truly believe that there's money, you know, you can make money in all sorts of different ways and, you know, wealth, it comes back to you in 
in so many different ways. But there's so many people who don't just trust themselves to go, if I'm going to make this, I'm going to follow through. I'm going to take action on the back of this. Or I'm going to invest in this because this is what I need right now. And if it doesn't end up working out, then I trust myself to learn the lessons from that. Mm. And it's going to make me (laughs) a better person on the other side. You know, there's so much distrust and as business owners like we bring that kind of we bring a household budget mentality to our business Mm. like there is this amount if I spend that means I don't have it for that uh I don't matter (laughs) you know especially if you're the you know if you're a parent who's like well the kids you know I much prefer to spend on the kids and we kind of bring that same vibe into our businesses and the fact of the matter is that when you're running a business you can create as multiple streams of income as you like. You can um, be nimble when it's small, a small business and create things that um, you think, okay, if I want to invest in that, it means that and that's going to put me into a little bit of distress like because I'm not about irresponsible money management. But, okay, if I need two grand to cover that or if I need, you know, 500 bucks, then what could I offer or how could I help people and just put that out there, that could cover that for me. Like it's not it's not that the money is gone, it's just that you maybe need to think creatively about new bringing avenues or to, yeah, yeah, new avenues for bringing in money. So true. Yeah, that, that aren't that are exciting to you and don't feel burdensome and help people. So yeah, that's that's sort of what I want to say. When when there's a big investment that I need to make, I think about how can I get the money that I need to be able to invest in that and have this not be stressful. stressful. Yeah. yeah, we don't want to create that for ourselves. Definitely not. Okay. Right. Cool. So well, there you go. Best and worst investments done. <laughs> it's always a good investment to, um, to uh, you know, leisure time. That would be the only other thing. Like being at, do, doing stuff like that doesn't even count. But whenever we catch up and it might be just like a, a flight to somewhere and a couple of nights, you know, in each other's houses, great investment. Totally. You know, it doesn't have to be big and crazy. No. No, it can be singing lessons, you know. Right. Ukulele. Yeah, ukulele. ding a ding ding All right. <laughs> On that note, wow. <laughs> we started with laughing and we're finishing with laughing. <laughs> Till next See week. See you in the next episode. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around. See you next Monday. Remember to subscribe and keep good company. Bye.